And good morning and happy Sabbath. Children of God, and that is what we are. We're God's people. Welcome to everyone here today, to all of our visitors, and uh, those who are longtime visitors, I might add, and hopefully they'll join our church one day as members. Let us begin with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, today we are here to worship God Almighty. We are here to give him glory, honor, and praise, and all the thanks for everything that uh, he has given and done for us. Be with us now as we worship and as we are come together as a family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My sermon this morning is about a name, a name that is above every name in heaven and on earth. You know, God knows our name, and we should know his name as well. We should know all about him because he knows everything about us. And so shouldn't we know the Jesus who has given us life and who has given us everything without any reservation? There are some examples of the name of Jesus, lots of names, names we maybe don't remember. Jesus is known as Christ. And Christ means Messiah, and Messiah means the one that everybody looked to in the prophecies of the prophets in the Old Testament. So he's Jesus, he's Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the Son of Man. That's kind of hard for us to understand, but... All we do is take it on faith. We have many other names that we call Jesus. Isaiah, the prophet, writes in Isaiah 9, 6 that Jesus is wonderful. If you can think of anything or if you appreciate anything, whether it's family or things, we have it because of Jesus. He is wonderful. Reminds me of a, a song that um, at one of the churches that we used to go to, um, he had a, what do they call it? a little uh, buddy with him. And he could, a ven, friend, ventriloquist, I think it is. And he used to give the uh, children's story and he would sing a song. And the song that he sang for everybody, and it was through the, I, I just want to call him a dummy, but whatever, the, you know, he's called, puppet. Anyways, the song goes like this. Isn't he wonderful? Yes, my Lord is wonderful. 
There are so many, many things that we can think about Jesus that he's done for us that makes him wonderful. He is the most wonderful. Other names are Almighty God. Boy, we have to really think about that. What is Almighty God? Almighty God. We say it in praise. We also say it to our God above as we address him. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. We find peace with Jesus. And there's no peace or rest like the rest that Jesus gives us and the peace that he gives us. Let me tell you some stories about Jesus, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We know that Jesus is, I, I'm thinking the word preeminent, but he always has been, he always will be. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, we begin, and this is the very beginning of the Bible. The first book of the Bible is Genesis, and it tells us that in the beginning, it wouldn't be God's beginning, it's our beginning. We know that he created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Well, we know God to be God, the Father, Jesus, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus, or God the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God, another word we can use for Jesus. You know, I love the text we find in John, the Gospel John. It's the very first chapter. John is known as the beloved disciple of Christ. And why is that? It's because he was so close to Jesus, always on his left side, so that he could hear every word that Jesus would tell him. He wasn't always meek and mild. He was a son of uh, one of the sons of thunder, angry, yelling, screaming. But he changed, and it was Jesus that changed him. John 1, 1 tells us, I'm reading 1 through 3 and 14. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So everything that we can see, I would say even everything we see in a telescope, we see a lot of things, planets, stars, and even on this earth, we see all the lovely creation that God has created, every living thing, animal, and all of us humans, everything is created. So another uh, name for Jesus would be Word. He is the Word. He is the Word. 
He's not just the word. He is the word. Verse 14 of John 1 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That means the word became a human being. Another name for Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. How about that for a name? The one and only. Think about it. Is Jesus the one and only for us, for me? He came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We also know Jesus to be the truth. He is the way. He is the life. Think of those names for Jesus. It tells us a lot about him, doesn't it? One of my favorite disciples is John. And we'll take a look at some other things that John wrote. In Exodus, we find another name for Jesus. Let's turn, if you've got your Bibles out, to Exodus chapter 3. The, the uh, Israel, Israelites, children of Israel, they were in the desert. And actually it was before then. In Exodus 3, we find Moses. Now we find Moses in the, in the desert as well, but he's in a different desert in Midian. And he sees a bush that's burning. And he heard the voice of the Lord. And here's another, another name for Jesus. Angel of the Lord. Well, I'll read them. Exodus 3, 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, or the king of Midian. And he led the flocks to the far side of the desert. And he came to Horeb. Mountain of God. That's Mount Sinai. So here's Moses. And you know he's tending a flock. He, he is the shepherd for Jethro's, uh, all of his animals. Verse 4 tells us that the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at that burning bush, and God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. You know, I think this is where we get kneeling in front of the Almighty. Kneeling in front of the throne Kneeling in church. We kneel, we bow down, and in those days, Moses didn't just kneel. He planted his forehead. That is how the Hebrews, the Israel nation, how they prayed. Why? Because where you stand, it's holy ground. Moving on to verse 13 of Exodus 3, Moses says to God, suppose I go to Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? 
then what shall I tell him? Here's what the burning bush or the angel of the Lord or God or Jesus told Moses. God said to Moses, I am who I am. In other Bibles, I think, I am. I am has sent me to you. That's what you tell them. They may not understand it, but they will eventually. So we know that Jesus is I am that I am. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Other names for Jesus are names of reverence. Yahweh. And I believe that in the Hebrew language, they didn't use a lot of vowels, so it was a different spelling. I think it was like, The A or the E is left out of the name Yahweh. There are some other words with you know deep respect and reverence. Um, Jehovah or Yehovah. You know, we can address Jesus this way as well, but I know this is the Old Testament names for Jesus. In Exodus 14 we find this magnificent display of absolute power. And we know that to be the parting of the Red Sea. Israel was led to that sea in the desert for a reason. And they didn't know why. They asked Moses, you've taken us out here to die because we see the Pharaoh's armies. They are coming upon us fast and they're in their chariots with their spears and they're ones on, on horseback. Some of them are marching. And they're going to take us all the way back to Egypt where we came from. But God was speaking to Moses. And Moses, he knew what was ahead. That God would be there for them. Another way that you can describe Jesus is the clouds. The clouds and the fog, the armies of Egypt could not see. They could not see. They didn't know where the Israelites were, the family. And there were a lot of Israelites out there. I don't know how many. I'm going to guess that there must have been hundreds of thousands of Israelites. And we know what happens next. Moses says in verse 13, he answers the people and he says, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. He had Moses raise his staff, and at that moment was God that parted the Red Sea. You know, you can send out any number, any number of engineers. I don't think anyone can ever figure out how to part those seas or that Red Sea. 
so there's dry ground. And all day they went out to the other side. But they were still afraid. Moses, not as much. Now the cloud had dissipated and the Egyptians were following. They were following all through the Red Sea that had been parted on dry ground. Let me take a look at verse 21 that describes what's happened right before Israel went across. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Well, here we come back to the Egyptians pursuing all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen, right into the sea. And when all of them had gotten right into the middle, you know it took all night long? It took all night long for this to happen, and it took many hours for Israel to cross. And at that moment, when all the army was there in the middle of this dry Dead Sea, Red Sea, and on each side, the walls of water. In a moment, the water came down on top of all of them. And Moses reminded Israel, do you see the Lord has fought for you? And you only need to be still and watch. He will fight for you. This is Jesus, this is what he did for Israel, and this is what he does for us when we accept him, when we know him. You know, we ask, how did Jesus, how did Jesus part the Red Sea? How does God do anything mighty? Well, there are attributes of God. I think of them as names that describe God and who he is. Jesus, his Father, Father God, and the Holy Spirit all have these attributes. An attribute is something they have, something they are. One of them is great, great power, unmeasurable power. That's called omnipotence. And also all-knowing, that's called omniscient. Omniscience, they know everything. And then they're present in all places. Every one of these. And it's called omnipresent. Every one of these, I don't understand. Do it. But we're not supposed to. Why do you think? Because that separates us from God. And if we could do all that, then we would be God too. I don't think we really want to be God. Now I know you've all heard of the the battle for Jericho. And we find that in Joshua and the general. He's actually the leader. He took over from Moses. Joshua was told by God. And, you know, I don't think Joshua, he wasn't ready yet. He needed to see God. He needed to talk to Jesus. But there was something kind of strange at what God asked him to do. Let's look at Joshua. Turn to Joshua chapter 6. 
Joshua 6, and we're going to read verses 3, 4, and 5. March, God told Joshua, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of the ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them, sound a long blast. That's verse 5. Of the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up every man straight in. What did they have to do? Blow trumpets? March around? Make a lot of noise? And Jericho fell. Jericho had walls that were maybe a good 10 feet wide all the way around. Can you imagine some structure like that just imploding? That's amazing. That's amazing. So here's Jesus again. Here's Jesus. Such power. You know where Jesus was all the time? Do you think he was in heaven? Do you think he was back at the camp? He was right there. He never left them. Jesus, in spirit, was between the two cherubs on the Ark of the Covenant, carried by four priests on their shoulders. And within that space, God controlled everything. He gave them complete victory. You know, if you read about the Ark of the Covenant, and you find that in uh, the Old Testament, Exodus, um, you'll find that this area where Jesus dwelt, set his, pitched his tent, there's a place called the Shekinah, Shekinah Glory. And it's right there in that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where Jesus was when they ended uh, the day and they had a flame of fire you can also say pillar of fire. That's a way to describe Jesus. And it hovered right over the top of the most holy place, right over the top of the ark. You can read about that in Exodus. You can read about it in, uh, is it one of these books? Anyways, it's in the uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, I believe. Very descriptive, very descriptive. Another all-powerful thing that Jesus did, we find in Joshua 10. I don't understand this power. Again, no human or no group of humans could ever do this. Joshua 10, 12, 13, and 14. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, and this is Joshua's prayer, O, o sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. 
So the, the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. He said a prayer. I don't think he said these words. But this is what was needed because they needed a longer day to win the battle. Because if they didn't, the Amorites would have fled in the dark at night. Going on with verse 13, says, The sun stopped in the middle of the day, in the middle of the sky, and it delayed going down a full day. Have we ever experienced two full days back to back? No dark night. It's never happened before, never happened since. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord, another word for Jesus, was fighting for Israel. Does God fight for us today? Yes, he does. He fights for us. I've heard stories about people that couldn't get the Sabbath day off. They, their job was telling them you have to come and work whatever the days are, Tuesday through Saturday, you get Sunday and Monday off. But when God intervenes, they get their day off. That's a God thing. And our son-in-law, Stephen, you know Stephen, he asked for Sabbaths off. I don't think he had to go quite so far as getting an attorney and go to the court. But what is it, 15 years you've been there? They gave him Sabbath off, and he's had every Sabbath off since. That's God. That's God. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. When, when Israel was in the desert, I won't be reading these texts, but in Numbers 21... And verses 4 through 9. There's a better story. Give it to me. $4 raise. Got Sabbath off, but what else? He had to work at night. Some, some evening hours, yes. Evening hours. Well, how about this? Work begins at 5 a.m. and goes till 2 p.m. 5 a.m. Dan, you might be familiar with those kind of hours. I don't know, but yeah. But he does it. Why? He wants the Sabbath day off. And I'll tell you what. What do they say about happy wife, happy life? Boy, she's happy with him about that. But she's also happy with God, happy with Jesus. Absolutely. So in the book of Numbers, we find Israel being disobedient and they're being punished. God sent poisonous snakes 
in their pathway. And some of them got bit, and some of them died. And Moses couldn't believe that God was doing this. I don't know. This is a mystery of God, but when we're disobedient, there's going to be repercussions. So Aaron and Moses, they heard God say, want you to make a bronze snake. And I want you to put it at the top of a, a pole and a cross beam. I don't know, might have been wood. I don't know what they used. Metal. And Moses, he said, God is doing this for you. Everybody that looks up at the snake, the bronze snake, will be saved. They will live even though they've been bitten by a snake. There was no antidote. They were in the desert. They were going to die. That reminds me, and it does and should of all of you, then we look up to the cross and accept Jesus Christ who died, he shed his blood for us that we can live. And not just for a little while or how do they say, how do we number the days we have? Uh, 20 years and uh, times four score or something like that. I'll just say 100 years. It's for more than that. Jesus wants to give us life forever. Not just for a hundred years. Not just while you wander in the desert saving you from a snake. You know, I love the words of the psalmist David. He writes about God. He writes about Jesus. Psalms 57, there's a text that I, I really like it, and it tells us about Jesus, especially. Psalm 57, verse 5 and 11. This should give us comfort and should make us happy. 57, Psalm 57, verse 5. It tells us, be exalted, O God Almighty, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And we know that from the text that Jedediah wrote, the one who is exalted is Jesus. He's exalted. Verse 11 tells us, same chapter of Psalms, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. You know, when we worship Jesus, when we worship God, knowing that he's with us, the angels are with us. It's a promise that we can take every time that we pray for his presence in faith. Be exalted, O God. Let's say, be exalted, Jesus. Another word that I've heard people use or words for Jesus is all in all. Is he our all in all? Is he your all in all? 
He should be. He should be exalted above every, every being. In the book Revelation that the Apostle Paul John, what he wrote in Revelation, Revelation 17, 14, it says that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Have you ever heard or read in the Bible referring to anybody but Jesus? Nobody but Jesus. He is the Lord of lords. There is no king on earth. There is no Caesar on earth. There is no power on earth, even the current powers that we see that are threatening the world. We know those. We know who those countries are. Do you know that Jesus has control over them? Absolutely. For his good, and he has reasons for it. And he does allow the sun to shine on the good and on the bad and on the ugly. Going back to Revelation, that was Revelation 7. Revelation 11 to 16, we have this way to describe Jesus as the Lamb of God. You know, John the Baptist, as soon as he saw his cousin come up to the, the river, River Jordan, he basically said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Behold, the Lamb of God. I like that, that way to call Jesus. He is the Lamb of God, which reminds me of something. The one who tends the flock, the one who tends all the lambs, the shepherd. There's no shepherd for us but Jesus. He's the good shepherd. David writes in Psalm 23 that Jesus is the shepherd. The Lord, another name for Jesus, is our shepherd. I love that text, by the way. I won't go through that text, but it ends with, and we will live in the house of the Lord forever. House of the Lord. That has to be heaven. That has to be heaven. So Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. We are told that we need to follow the Lamb of God wherever. Jesus, follow him. In uh, Revelation 22, the last chapter, Jesus is referred to as the root of David. He is the offspring of David. In the genealogies, you will find that the genealogy from David, in fact, you can go back even farther, but I'm starting with David because he's, a lot of times, um, they refer to David as um, you know, the father of Jesus, or Jesus, the son of David. Another wonderful um, 
name for Jesus is the morning star, the bright morning star, the bright morning star. Jesus is known as the water of life. Remember when he was asking the uh, Samaritan woman that was going to the well for water, and he asked her for a drink, and he thought, or she thought, how could you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? And then she even said, um, well, she had the big picture. But Jesus said, I need the water, I'm thirsty. But he also said to the Samaritan woman, I can give you the water of life and you will never be thirsty. This is Jesus in the New Testament. Water of life. He is the water of life. He wants us to drink freely because it doesn't cost us. Matthew 1, 21 and 22 is very special because this is where Jesus gets his name. Mary is told that she's going to have a child. And that child, you need to call his name Jesus. And that was the angel of the Lord, this time not Jesus, but I would think the archangel, whoever that was, to name Jesus. And goes on, he will save them from their sins. Save all of us by our sins. He was also known, and we sing a song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. By the way, can somebody tell me what that means? God You know, whenever we call upon him, he's there. And you know, when he died on the cross, he is our savior. When you say my savior, it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus. It could not be any other. John 6 tells us about the bread of life. You know, I'm thinking of a Matthew, Matthew 4, 4. Anyways, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word, every word here is the word of God. And it's the bread of life. I think that should be more important than the physical food or the food that we eat for our physical bodies. Because... Our spiritual bodies are starving without, without Jesus. Mary, as she ran to the tomb of Jesus, she noticed somebody and she called out Jesus because that's who she recognized. And she called him Rabboni. I don't know if that's the same as Rabbi, but it could fit because... Jesus is a Jew. Rabbi, that's a Jewish teacher. And that's what rabbi means, teacher. There is no greater teacher anywhere at any time than Jesus Christ. He is our teacher. He's our Lamb of God. He's our good shepherd. 
I want to close with this text in Philippians. We're going to go back to a little bit more of that chapter. This is a, a book that Paul wrote, and it needs to be basically in our hearts and minds. Philippians chapter 2, and let's take a look at verses 5 through 11. Our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Jesus makes himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, just like us. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know what? Jesus became sin for us. Jesus became sin for us. And it goes on in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to all to the glory of God the Father. So, in closing, my message is, Shall we make Jesus our all in all? Shall we make him the Lamb of God? Shall we make Jesus our Savior? The way, the truth, the life. A favorite song of mine I won't sing. I will just read to you the last verse. It's uh, number 185. Jesus is all the world to me, our all in all. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. He's my friend forever and ever. Our all in all. And that is Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this hour of praising you and talking about Jesus, who is above, his name above everything in heaven and on earth. Lord, help us to seek Jesus, and we will find Jesus. He's promised us. Help us to follow him, who is the Lamb of God. Help him to... Give us this, we ask for the strength from Jesus to give us strength to die to sin and live. Have Jesus living in us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.